Hey everyone, and welcome to this Thursday show. I do appreciate you joining me. Good evening to those of you who are watching this live. Good morning to those who are watching it tomorrow and in the future. This is my message to the future. So you can see what kind of mood that I'm in. All right, I'll go ahead and start out though by saying, I heard that Biden is now going after Bitcoin. That's the the latest news that I just read just a few minutes ago, and supposedly for national security reasons. And I just kind of have to wonder, what kind of national security reasons dictate that? I wonder. Is it is it the fear that perhaps somebody might buy and sell, you know, without without the the approved status, right? They might not have the medical procedure necessary in order to yeah to buy and sell according to what's modern what what's allowed in our coming days. So you have to get rid of all those different alternative methods of payment. It, it certainly would. Seem, I can't think of any great reasons, honestly. For them to go after Bitcoin at this point, I mean, heck, they're already taxing it and everything, so that's not enough. Instead, they just want to apparently shut it down. We'll see how that goes. I know that there are some people at this point who are kind of big names and very interested in the in the crypto sphere. Personally, I haven't been that big on it, but I am big on anything that kind of, I should say, I am interested in anything that potentially offers a way that people can exchange goods and services, right, in a consensual manner um, that isn't controlled by, you know, two corporations in the case of like Visa and MasterCard, right? That is one of my primary concerns. I know that we're edging toward a world in which uh, our finances are used to control what we can and will say. And I think, in fact, in a very real sense, we're already there, right? Because a lot of people um, have been banned from PayPal, they've been banned from online payment processes like Stripe, uh, Square as well, or like, uh, and then there are those who are running into trouble with Discover, there are those who are banned directly from their banks, like Chase is, is like the worst offender in that regard. It's like when you put it all together, you, you kind of paint this picture of a coming world in which people are even afraid to speak and express opinions because, hey, they might be bankrupted, you know, as a result of, of those opinions and of the, their expression of it. And so that's something that I think we all ought to be paying attention to. And I think if more people um, were aware as to where this goes, uh, it would be a much bigger issue. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, let's, let's go ahead and, and move on, though, because that was just kind of like a, a tidbit that I just read before coming on air. But uh, I want to talk about Quebec and, and Canada, because uh, they have taken a... A new step and perhaps the worst step I think thus far in regards to dealing with the the unvaccinated right the worst of our time these are the scapegoats of modern society they are responsible for the lack of our freedoms even though they're not the ones who are infringing on people's freedoms but in any case they are the people who are being blamed for everything from you know like from deaths and hospitals being overrun which they're not um, to, to people's personal freedoms being taken away, even though they're not the people who are infringing upon those freedoms. Well, over in Quebec, they've decided that people, the unvaccinated people, now can't even go to a regular grocery store and be left alone. That isn't allowed. Uh, they instead have to be followed around, uh, yeah, by members of staff to make sure they don't purchase anything other than just groceries. Because we're not yet at the point where we're like, let the unvaccinated starve, but we're getting close. And that's ultimately where we are. So I actually, I want to show you um, a, a news report about this because I wasn't sure this was real when I first stumbled across it. Um, 
you know, when I first just kind of stumbled across it online. And so I just kind of want to demonstrate to you, no, actually, this, unfortunately, uh, really is real. So let me go ahead and show you this. Today, big box stores that have a footprint of 1,500 square meters uh, or more are going to have to ask people, customers, to show proof of vaccination. Now, pharmacies and grocery will be exempt from this. So if you're going into a Costco or a Walmart or something like that, where you might be going in uh, to buy groceries or visit the pharmacy, uh, in that case, an employee will have to be with that person as they walk through the store to make sure that they do not go uh, and buy other products or other <laughs> items that might be in the store now okay okay uh and yes we will get to the truckers in a little bit but okay so we're talking about a situation where these people aren't even allowed to go get groceries because you know heaven forbid somebody goes inside of a grocery store and also picks up a toaster while he's there right he also picks up a sandwich maker or i don't know a chair who cares but they want to prevent that they want to make the life of the unvaccinated person, such a living hell, right? Because that's what this is ultimately about, right? Is forcing compliance through making the lives of the unvaccinated unlivable. And they're really going all out on this. And uh, Quebec always seems to be the, the part of Canada that's sort of first in, I don't know, putting its people in a tyrannical state. Um, and that's that's certainly the case now. And the thing is, these big block, these big box stores, as they called them, you know, Walmart and so on, they're going along with this. And ultimately, they're the enforcers. And this is the thing. This is one of the things I've been trying to talk to people about for years. Is uh, ultimately, it, it lands on you as an individual as to whether or not you're willing to enforce the crap that's passed by governments. Like, figure out where your line is before you're pushed over it. You know, because otherwise you'll find that you don't actually have one. You just kind of have this constantly diminishing standards. So you can look back and wonder how in the hell did I end up in the situation? Why was I willing to do that? And you can't even understand your own decisions. And so what I'm, what I'm actually seeing is instead that you've got these massive stores that are going along with the slavery. Like, look at this. Uh, this is Walmart in Canada uh, left a, a Twitter comment basically about how they were going to comply. So you see this, it says, this is literally, this is, they've got the blue check mark, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Walmart Canada says, hi, as directed by the government of Quebec, we will implement the vaccine passport at our stores in Quebec. We ask for our customers' patience and understanding as we continue to ensure a safe and efficient customer experience. Okay, so in other words, they're going to do the vaccine passports, um, uh, which is actually a, a QR code-based scheme. I don't know if you guys are, are that familiar with it, right? But it's actually a digital QR code scheme where you have it on your phone or you have a printout and it connects with the, the system at the at the government, at the provincial government, to make sure that there's like this two-tier system so you can't just fake it and say, yes, of course, you know, here's my card. And so they want to make absolutely sure that you both have it and you're up to date and all of that. It's incredibly controlling. And this isn't, it's not just Walmart complying, but this is, you know, one of the, the bigger stores and they're announcing that they're going to comply. And then you, you can see the sort of offloading of responsibility here as directed by the government of Quebec. And I think that's really uh, something that's important for us to talk about because I don't think you can do that. I, I don't think that as an individual or as a company, I don't think you can morally do that. I don't think screaming, well, it's the law is a defense when you are engaging in such a an act against humanity. 
and ultimately you are when you're talking about telling people they can't shop for groceries at this point without proving that they have a certain medical procedure done against their will uh, in order to try and badger them into getting that medical procedure against their will yet there's a point at which you have to stand up and say no actually we're not going to do that and I wonder, it's kind of like the thing with, I hate to make Nazi references because it's kind of so cliche at this point, but you know how IBM, the company, worked with the Nazis? And it's kind of like that. It's like, surely at some point, I mean, nowadays people look back and go, well, shouldn't they have known? And it's like, well, no, back then they were like, no, it's the Nazis, they're in power, so we'll do what they ask. And it's like, okay, now, and you've got Walmart and other... Uh, major stores? Are you, you going to do what the tyrannical government asks, or is there a higher authority that you that you'll answer to? Like, will you answer to God, basically? You know, or or is government it? Is government the arbiter of all that is right and wrong? You know, and in an era, you think about this, right? In an era where the corporations proclaim social justice from the top of their lungs, effectively, right? That there are there are certain times of year you can't go to a single major corporate website without seeing Black Lives Matter plastered everywhere. A different time of the year, you can't go to one of these websites without seeing the rainbow flag everywhere. They're all about social justice. They're all about these different, you know, causes in, in, the, in the fight against the injustice. And yet when there really is an injustice, they're quiet. Why? It's because to fight a real injustice that exists in the modern age, you have to go against the grain, not with it. If you're on the same side as the government, every major corporation, the media, and academia, you're not a revolutionary, you're just part of the culture. That's it. And you know, they can, they can proclaim that they're some kind of revolutionaries and they're fighting for justice, but they're really not. And when it comes to an issue where they actually have to fight for justice, when they have to actually, you know, stand up against um, this injustice, well, that, that requires courage. You know, fighting a real, in, in the old school sense, social justice cause, I mean, it's been co-opted and relabeled and so on, but in the old school sense of social justice fighting, that actually required courage because you were going against the system. This isn't going against the system. This is being part of it, not just trample on people's rights. That's what we're talking about. Right, hold on. Uh, Top Secret Bear says, there's a lot of power in just saying no. Well, yes. And ultimately, it starts to come down to the individuals. And that's, I mean, it's the individuals who are willing to walk around with an unvaccinated member, you know, and, and watch them and tell them what it is that they can purchase for their groceries that week. And whether or not they're, they're allowed to get the new toaster or not. Whether they can branch out into that store, or it's the manager of the store who's willing to actually, you know, enforce that. It's the people out front who are willing to put the signs out, and the people who are willing to stand there and scan the vaccinated passports and decide whether or not people are allowed, allowed into a grocery store. Um, it's all of those people. And yes, it goes higher up the chain too, with, you might say, elevating responsibility. But ultimately, it does come down to you. You yourself have a personal responsibility. And this isn't about you yourself getting a vaccine, I don't, I don't really care. Like, that is up to you, because it's your body. That's, that's the point, that's what I've been making for like, you know, two years. I don't care what medical decisions you make, they're up to you and, they're all, and they ought to be, you know? What I care about is when individuals are being forced to, well, they're not being forced, that's, that's the thing. They're being pushed into a position of playing the role of mini tyrants, and if they refuse to do so, our society will be better off. 
and you have these different corporate mantras like, well, you know, the government of Quebec says, like, I don't, I don't give a damn what the government of Quebec says. There's a certain point in time where you have to stand up for basic decency, for morality, and, and do the right thing, and actually have a backbone. And these corporations which are so like, oh, we're so decent, we're, we're interested in fighting the good fight, and, you know, fighting against the injustice of the modern age, against the power. It's like, well, look at the power. You know, like, if you want to fight against the, the indecency and the injustice of the modern age, do so. Um, but don't join with the causes of every other, you know, company in corporate America and the government and proclaim like you're doing some great noble service. Like, no, that's not it at all. JP says their moral compass never points true north. Yep, exactly. Uh, Joseph Murphy, too busy counting that 60 million in the bank. Yeah, these... I'm really just kind of um, tired of it. I, I am. And uh, so Michael says, boycott Walmart. Well, uh, yeah, I certainly would if I, if I was, especially if I was in Quebec. But I do think that we need more than just, hey, it's this one corporation. What we need is sort of a cultural shift. And that's why I'm talking about this, is the fact that I, I doubt they're the only big box store that's going along with this. Else we'd probably be hearing about the stores that say, actually, we're not going to do this. Um, we're not going to comply uh, because we see something more important than what the government of Quebec has to say. Um, I'm just kind of scrolling through your chats real quick. Uh, top secret bear. We were talking about the corporations, but yes, individuals too. I like just simply saying no and nothing else. It works well for some reason. Well, it, th there is a certain point at which it's like, <laughs> it's hard to argue um, with somebody who has lost the ability to reason. And it does at times seem like that's where you end up. Like, how do you tell somebody to be moral? I mean, and I mean that seriously, literally, how do you tell someone, hey, this is actually immoral, can you just have some decency? And that just kind of sounds like uh, something that nobody's going to listen to, but we're really there. We're at the point where it's like, okay, so from where does morality come? Like, like literally, because everybody has this sort of sense of a moral code and we have a conscience that's built upon that moral code. But where does it come from? Well, in, in Western society, it comes from the fact that our societies were built on a, a Christian ethos, right? And that affects us as we grow. It affects our interpretation of what right and wrong is, even amongst those who don't consider themselves to be Christian or who aren't Christian. Generally speaking, if you if you grow up in the in the Western world, you're you're growing up with this sort of blueprint of right and wrong that is based upon Christianity and is based upon that moral code. And so we end up having to go back to that during times like this, where the government moves very counter to that moral code that we ought to recognize. And it's why when you have <clears throat> excuse me, countries throughout Europe especially where they're kind of more divorced from that foundation and it's gonna get worse over time as they become more secular, um, they're increasingly not really standing up for those uh, for those morals because they don't see anything greater than government. Uh, Jeremy Wheeler, I would hope that those of us in America stand up for their rights more than Canadians have. Well, I would hope so too. Um, and I'm of mixed minds as to whether or not they would because I, I, I'm surprised that things have gotten as bad as they have, or especially they did during the, the really stringent lockdowns when you had a lot of churches that were, that were closed and all that. Um, I didn't expect it to 
happen as much as it did. I expected there to be a lot more pushback, especially amongst the churches, but, you know, amongst corporations too, amongst gyms and, you know, these kind of places. I, I did expect more of a a fight in that regard and we didn't see it, which was uh, disheartening. Um, okay, let's, let's go ahead and, and move on a bit, but I wanted to make that point and I think I did. Okay, so hold on. Canadians voted for Castro's um, son. Yeah, uh, or did they? Who knows? Uh, I'm not that trusting of that particular process at this point uh, in Canada or elsewhere. All right, so just before the show started, actually, there was someone in the chat who pointed to a Project Veritas video that just came out a couple of hours ago demonstrating that the poor and the homeless are getting vaccinated five and sometimes six times because they want the they want the gift certificate of a hundred dollars that comes after that which is actually taxpayer funded and it's an interesting point actually because this is one of the reasons why we have historically not incentivized different medical procedures like things like organ donation and so on that one of the big arguments about that was well if we if we provide a a monetary bonus for that you're gonna basically be exploiting the poorest among society to to steal their their organs right i mean because people will people are desperate and, and that'll happen so i want to go ahead and show you this video we'll just watch it together for a minute but you find people that do it five six times just because of the incentive well maybe just go and not say what you've been there before just give them a different name so you have no idea why don't you if you want to the people in homeless shelters are getting multiple vaccines in order to collect $100. Right. Is that ethical? Absolutely not. We showed you shocking video of young children being vaccinated with the wrong mixture of the COVID vaccine and the apparent government negligence that led to it happening in the first place. We'll show you even more disturbing details of the story where lower income and homeless people get vaccinated multiple times because of the financial incentive being given out. Okay, we'll just end it right there. Um, you can hunt down Project Veritas videos. They do have a Telegram channel where they uh, publish all their videos. I would have historically told you, you know, you can look on YouTube and you can look on their Twitter and stuff, but uh, they're constantly being censored on those platforms. So I know that they have a website, uh, Project Veritas does, and also I know they post their videos on Telegram and so on. But okay, so we're at this point where taxpayer money is being used to also send these tests that are all made in China to every household in the United States, um, if requested, I think you can get four different tests, all mailed to you, all, all, all made in China, which is just delightful. Uh, yeah, that's a thing. And then we, we're incentivizing further the uh, these people getting getting vaccinated multiple times, like five, six times. And it's like, seriously, there are people who are really poor and really desperate and in really bad situations. And they are going to do this and we know that that's that's why we, we have made historically we, we have not made the decision to incentivize medical procedures like this there was a reason for that it had actually been thought through and everyone agreed that actually that's a, that's a really bad idea and it's really perversely immoral in order to you know to in a sense uh 
force or at least coerce people to make medical procedures that they would not otherwise make if it weren't for the financial incentive. Um, and and it affects them directly in the long term, right? Because that was there's a difference if you're donating blood or, or plasma because it doesn't actually affect you in the long term. But but this this does, and we don't know how many they're going to get. We don't know what effects they're going to have. Um, you know, hopefully that at the very least I can, I can say here. So it, it's it's disturbing and it should have been expected. In fact, I think it probably was expected because why wouldn't it be? Like, again, we, we had these procedures, you know, oh, we had these policies in place and they have been for a really long time. Um, JP, I dream of a day where we can look at the back of everything we have and it not say made in China. Yeah, and the trouble is that it is almost everything we have and it comes to our uh, our drug supply and we don't look at generally where drugs come from in fact it's not very clear on the labeling like everyone thinks TVs you know and phones and that kind of thing and yes they are made in China but for me I think more about the drug supply and the food supply because China is a com is a country that does not have our best interests in mind in fact I basically consider them to be an enemy country and as such it seems less than wise to be generous about this to rely upon them for our basic food and medical supplies and including our vaccine supplies, not just COVID, but, but more than that. And it's like, okay, but this is a country that's known for being unscrupulous, that's known for being um, callous in regard to human life. And that's being really generous considering that they have their, their concentration camps with their mass graves and they actually steal the organs of their political dissidents inside of those concentration camps. You know. That's not even conspiracy theory. That, that's actually that, that's happening. We know that that's happening. Um, considering that's the country, and then they supply like our food additives, so that any time we we purchase you know junk food, let's say, it contains these food additives like sodium benzoate that's in you know almost everything, and they can poison the the United States food supply overnight without us ever without us noticing at first and it's like that's how they could weaken and destroy our population um, and then there's a the drug supply also you know f for them to be thorough and it's like uh if, if you want to talk national security biden since he was talking about that in you know in relation to to bitcoin i, I think we should really be looking at our food and drug supply and how that's really going to set us up for the future that's that's a, a massive concern that few people are paying attention to. Like, yeah, I, I'm concerned as well that our TVs and our phones and our tennis shoes are all made in China. But I'm a lot more concerned about the fact that you you can't get anything that has like baking soda in it without it coming at least partially from China. That, that's that's kind of a problem. Um. Okay, some of these uh, comments that are about the vaccines, I, I can't read off. Uh, just for obvious reasons. I'm just telling you why I'm why I'm just kind of skipping over that. Uh, Lawrence says, I was buying some treats for my dog until I saw Made in China on the packet. I couldn't put it back on the shelf fast enough. Yeah. Uh, and it's, there's actually a surprising amount of uh, dog food that's uh, made in China. And we get these recalls, you know, all the time. Like, you can actually sign up for these um, alerts that'll tell you when there's a recall on your, your dog food. Most of the time it's because there's like a... Uh, a chemical in it from China, and it's like, um, great. They're also making the human food supply, though, and it's like if people start getting random medical conditions, though, like an autoimmune disorder or something, 
how long would it take us to actually notice that, well, they all ate the same junk food or the same ingredient that was in a variety of junk foods? Would we be able to, to trace that down like we can with dog food? Probably not, actually. Uh, that, that could certainly happen. Then you had the the toothpaste that had antifreeze in it. There was the um, there was the, the infant formula, right, that, that had the, the kidney-destroying poison in it. But, you know, and that was... That was because they were trying to artificially increase the amount of tested protein that was inside of the the infant formula so that they weren't giving the child as much protein as they were like, legally required to give the child. And then on top of that, they were poisoning the, the kid's kidneys. And again, this was infant formula, so we're talking about infants. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's the kind of situation we're talking about. And oh, and don't forget the lead in the children's toys that came out around Christmas, which is just coincidental. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you, you look at it and it's like just one thing after another after another. And then there are people who are like, well, it's China's our biggest trade partner. It's like, yeah, exactly. Like, how is that a positive? I'm just not seeing it. I see that as like this massive threat as opposed to a positive. It should be something that we're all kind of freaked out about. And instead, people aren't. It, it, it's, it's insane. <clears throat> Yeah, poison baby formula. Yeah, exactly. China is not our friend, and people um, think of it as one, I think, because they're just so used to seeing it on the back of products. That it must be a friend, because otherwise, why would we accept, you know, trade with them? It's like, well, we accept trade with them because of Clinton. You know, the first Clinton. But we accept, we accept trade with them because of Bill Clinton and him being encouraged financially to have them inside the World Trade Organization and to remove their status as essentially a a country that didn't treat its people correctly because we had them on that kind of a list which reduced their how much uh how much we did trade with them uh, it, and that changed as a result of his second election most especially although he was actually helped in both elections by china um so yeah and yes nixon played a role too but uh if you look into the bill clinton thing that's actually it's really fascinating history I've covered it before in more detail, and I don't want to get into it um, before. But yeah, I mean, again, right now. But I, I do think that's something that ought to be rolled back because China is not a, a bastion of human rights, as Bill Clinton insisted. This is not the case. Um, that, that ought to be changed. So yeah. Uh, moving on, let's talk truckers. Let's talk truckers because I know there are lots of you in the chat who keeps bringing it up. There is a massive convoy of truckers in Canada. It's a protest movement uh, that is dedicated to fighting against these mandates and frankly just the abridgment of freedoms that's been going on under the guise of fighting a virus, all right? The truckers themselves have been told that they're required to, to get vaccinated, which kind of was like the, the last straw um, on this thing, all right? And truckers are pivotal to every economy in the developed world, they are. Uh, that's one of the reasons that these truckers kind of have some degree of say by doing what they're what they're doing, which is kind of like both they're both creating a protest, but they're also striking from their regular jobs at the same time. They can really put some kind of pressure upon the economy and thereby upon the government. And so I applaud their efforts fully. Now, according to the Guinness uh, World Records, the longest truck convoy ever recorded previously was seven and a half kilometers long, and that was in Egypt in 2020. But the, the Freedom Convoy, what's going on in Canada now, is considerably longer. 
somewhere between 70 kilometers long and 100 kilometers long. At 70, that would be 43 miles for most of the audience, since that's like... Um, I know that the Brits and the Americans both do miles as opposed to kilometers, so yeah. Uh, there are some reports that it's taking about two hours for this convoy to roll through a town, and that's pretty mind-boggling, actually. I mean, that, that's really huge. Um, the transporter says, if the truckers just parked and blocked the interstates, it would be more effective than a let's drive to the capital event. Yes, it actually would. Uh, I can understand their, their motivation, but you are correct. Um, Zimbo says, 15th of January, we're mandated to VAX to cross the border. Same mandate came in for US truckers on the 22nd of, yeah, and, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, Harati, half the population is dead within a month of the trucks stopping rolling. Yes, and I don't know how long they, they plan on actually going through with this, because if they wanted to, they certainly could bring the economy to a to a grinding halt. And I, I wouldn't have a problem with that, because I think it's actually a really noble effort. I mean, you look at what's going on like in Quebec that we covered earlier, when um, they are creating, it's not even just a, calling it a two-tiered society doesn't seem to kind of cover just how awful the situation is. But they have reduced uh, the unvaccinated and thus the un uncompliant to a state of being a, a second class, like a, a dimmy class, you might say. And that is, uh, it's evil. And so I applaud any efforts to fight against that. And it's a true social justice cause. Um, there you go. Uh, Lawrence says, British trucker here, it's a demanding job. Yes, I I'm sure it is. <clears throat> um, yeah, and the people who are, again, asking how long it is, apparently at least 43 miles uh, long. Again, that apparently takes about two hours to roll through a town we're, we're hearing. They have raised uh, six, close to $6 million on GoFundMe uh, to kind of well reinforce their efforts. I'm sure they need uh, some coverage, so... There is that. I'm kind of like shocked that they went for GoFundMe at this point because GoFundMe is a company that repeatedly um, cancels events like this one, especially like with regards to the January 6th prisoners and that kind of thing. They often cancel uh, the, the fundraising events of those on the right. And that's a real problem. And it has been. That's why Give, Send, Go exists. Uh, it's a Christian company that uh, supported, say, the, the Kyle Rittenhouse collection and that sort of thing. And I think Discover, since we, get, we were mentioning in the beginning the whole thing about the financial uh, terrorism, it was uh, Discover that boycotted Give, Send, Go because Give, Send, Go was allowing for a Kyle Rittenhouse fundraiser. And of course, this was before even the trial. So it was like Discover was basically saying they don't think that, they, that this kid has a right to a defense. Either a legal defense or a physical defense, I suppose. There's kind of a um, an overlap there in this that particular case. But my point is that I think that if people have projects like this, it would make a lot more sense to not fund our enemies uh, wherever possible and instead fund our friends. So if you do have a project that needs to be funded in a in a GoFundMe-style situation, it would make a lot more sense to use Give, Send, Go uh, because you're funding a good company instead of an evil, evil company and you're much less likely to have it taken down later on, all right? Um, the mainstream media is ig ignoring the the uh, convoy at all. And by the way, 
just so you can kind of see it you can kind of see that it's just i don't know it, it, it it's long um you're not going to find a single shot unless you go from the sky that really kind of covers how long it is um but you kind of get some some degree of, of visual there uh for it and again i applaud what these guys are doing i think it's um it's a really noble effort for a good cause it needs to be done um it has reached a point uh in in regards to people's freedoms where people need to start standing up and these truckers are are standing up to, to their absolute credit because i mean it, it's hard to do you know when you live in a society where so many people are complying and so many people are demanding that they just simply comply just do what you're told you know uh, Jonathan Lewis says, you refer to the demi-class in Islam. Yes, that's what I was referring to when I said demi-class. That's exactly what I was referring to. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I applaud these guys fully. Um, GoFundMe, as far as I know, to answer your, your guys' question, have not actually stolen the money in this particular case, but they do, what they usually do is they cancel a, uh, fundraiser and then refund everybody's money because they can't just steal it legally right um they refund everyone's money and then the person who needed the funding doesn't get it and they can never get in touch with everybody in order to get the funding necessary all right so that's what usually happens in this particular case i did see at least one news report that said that gofundme had frozen it um and then apparently either they unfroze it or it was a fake news story and i don't know which but i do know but in general, if you have some kind of right-leaning, and it's ridiculous that this whole thing is right-leaning, um, I guess freedom is on the right at this point, um, you should do it on Give, Send, Go. That way you don't have to worry about it. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, can't figure someone trusting GoFundMe at this point. That's what I was like. I, I, don't, I don't fully understand. But maybe these are just truckers and they just didn't, they're just not really that tuned in to the way things have been going uh, for the longest time. Uh, maybe not. Although I will say, uh, I just mentioned this as being a right wing, but the the as the mainstream media has, has been is sort of ignoring and downplaying this uh, this convoy. They've often been describing it as far right, like not just on the right, but actually far right, which is really fascinating. Um, Trudeau himself recently called the the unvaccinated quote often racist and often misogynist, and he did that in French, which I'm not going to do. But in any case, that's what he described the unvaccinated as. Um, it's interesting that he would call people racist. I find that really kind of audacious because I don't know about you guys, right? But if I had a picture of me on the internet, right, and I looked like that, I would not call other people racist. Like, I would just sit that one out. Like, there is no picture of me on the internet or anywhere, right? that looks like that okay that just just have, haven't ever done it you know um but if there was a picture of me that looked like that i would never use the term racist against anybody ever especially in public i just kind of like avoid that topic and i'm just gonna say that with trudeau maybe that's what he ought to do instead of being like well the unvaccinated they're the racists and it's like seriously with the you know, with the shoe polish, I presume that is. He's he's like leveling it at other people. I mean, come on. Like, I would just sit sit that one out. Like, that's the point in which you're just like, okay, um, I've kind of lost this debate. I I can't really do the whole racist thing. So, 
we're just gonna have to move on and I'm just gonna have to go with misogynist or something, you know? Like, at least with that one, you know, that he doesn't have, like, some picture online of him punching a girlfriend. I mean, if he did, then he'd have to sit that one out, too. It would be, like, the kind of same thing. But he has this picture, and I'm like, how can you have that picture and then start just telling people that on the basis of them being opposed to vaccine mandates, not actually vaccines, um, an important uh, note there, that they're racist. That doesn't even make, make any sense. It's like this. It's like the Soviet use of the word um, racist, where they're like, you know, just trying to shut people up. It's like that. Like, like no, you, it actually has a definition, or at least at one point did. Um, and at one point, it included people who wore blackface. So yeah, just it's like, just sit down. Just sit down. <laughs> exactly. It's like, but but that's him. And he he referred to uh, again the the unvaccinated and anti-scientific people as, quote, a small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa holding unacceptable views, unquote. Well, okay, the thing is that whenever you have a, a prime minister or a president, someone in, in control of a country, I don't really think it's acceptable to refer to a certain set of views as unacceptable. I think it's actually um, a bit disturbing and a bit potentially tyrannical because it, well, it refers to us, it kind of creates an Overton window of acceptability in terms of views. And I don't think you really want that necessarily coming from the head of a country. Uh, I think it's a bit foreboding about that. And then he added on to that, sort of to, to double down on that point, he started to speculate on whether or not the unvaccinated people should be tolerated. And well, how would they not be tolerated, is my question. Like, what would it look like if they were not tolerated? Because they're already at the point, at least in some provinces, of not allowing people to get groceries without having a, a, a vaccinated handler who is apparently the, the superior class of person. So exactly what would it look like if they weren't tolerated, is my question. Because it would certainly seem like they're heading in a pretty dark direction. Um, you know... Uh, top secret best says unacceptable views, 1984. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we should all kind of raise an eyebrow. And then he's like, you know, should we tolerate them? It's like, um, how would you not? And it's, it's, you're, you're a prime minister and these are people who are not complying with you, but who are supposed to be your, your citizens, right? You're supposed to accept the fact that not everyone will agree with you and people will make their own decisions most especially about their medical decisions, right? I mean, this is, I mean, and that's what we're talking about. Ultimately, you know, yes, we're talking about viewpoints, but in relation to whether or not they have autonomy over their own health, whether or not they have the, the right to make their own decisions, regardless of government dictates, regardless of what Trudeau himself wants. Um, yeah. It's, it's, we, we certainly ought to be, uh, we ought to be appalled, and I am. Uh, Trudeau has now, apparently, been exposed to the to the COVID virus, he said, and now he must isolate for five days, right as the trucking convoy approaches Ottawa in Ontario, where he is, for those who don't know. Um, Ottawa is the capital of Canada, and so now he's hiding. Uh, no, he's not hiding. He, he got exposed to COVID, so he has to hide. It's just, it's just really convenient. <laughs> this is what they're telling us. I'm just repeating it, guys. It's just, he had to go into hiding. He didn't have a choice. He's, he's not sick. He got a negative test, but he has to hide.
Um, it almost makes you appreciate Biden. Almost. Not quite, but almost. <laughs> um, yeah. And by the way, the Ottawa police are issuing these sort of similarly uh, veiled threats, saying, quote, We are aware of inappropriate and threatening language on social media related to this event, end quote. And that's in relation to the truck convoy. Um, there's, there we go again. The inappropriate language. Like, okay, how inappropriate? And how threatening? Are they just saying that they want him to be replaced? Because that's a threat to his job position. Um, without, without any proof or anything of that, I'm just like, mm, sorry. I can see who the tyrants are and who the threatening people are in this position. And just maybe... Just maybe it's the people who are talking about whether a certain class of people should be tolerated or not. Because personally, I think that's kind of threatening language. You know? And so you've got the, the Ottawa police who are talking about threatening language, and I'm like, yeah, I, 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 I've been reading what the Prime Minister has been saying, and that sounds like threatening language to me. Why don't you go arrest him? Yeah, I don't think, <laughs> you know, at the same time, the government has been closing roads on the journey and using weather as the reasoning for that. Uh, and it seems to run counter to what the weather is actually doing. Okay, so they're, they're closing off different roads into Ottawa. They're trying to sort of slow it down and derail it. Um, at the same time as complaining about the language of these, of these truckers, at the same time as delegitimizing sort of the humanity um, of not necessarily the truckers, but of anyone who is non-compliant with the mandate. So that's where we actually are over there in Canada. And again, I absolutely applaud the efforts of those truckers. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bad situation that they're in with regard to their prime minister. But on silver linings, the truckers recognize the power that they have. And they do. Because when it comes to an, a modern economy, yes, the, the truckers have tremendous um, power in that. They apparently know it. If they want, they can just stop and, and cut off the highways. Uh, they, they do have options. As it comes, you know, bringing this kind of conversation back to the US, Biden, not knowing apparently how important trucks are, uh, decided to ban the unvaccinated truckers from coming into the US, exacerbating the supply chain shortages um, that we have. So he's requiring all non-US citizens, including Mexican and Canadian truck drivers, to show proof of vaccination status in order to enter the country via all ports of entry and ferry terminals, effective January 22nd. So, you know how in the US, if you've been to a grocery store of late, you have, perhaps for the first time in your life, and probably except for maybe when there's a storm warning, uh, seen bare shelves because we've had unprecedented shortages. Um, there are a lot of reasons for that, some of which I've covered. Um, and yes, the COVID policies have played a tremendous role in that, in the, in the lack of just staff. Um, who are willing to work and who are willing to work in, in various conditions with vaccines and with mask mandates eight hours a day and with the fact that they're being financed to stay at home and all of this, right? Lots of different overlapping reasons. But in any case, we do have shortages for, you know, like in a very real sense for the first time in American history. And the Biden administration is like, you know what we should do? We should make it harder for trucks to come into the US. That's what we should do. It's like, what is it with, you know, communists and stuff when they just kind of 
have a thing for disrupting the food supply. That's kind of that, that like that. That's their shtick, it would seem. <laughs> Um, I don't mean to make light of, of communist starvation. Um, I'm just saying that I see patterns, and uh, there does seem to be one being repeated. Uh, that's all. Um, I only go shopping at 9 p.m. right before they turn off the self-checkout. I hear you. Um, at the same time, though, as these shortages, uh, the Biden administration has been letting illegal aliens use their arrest warrants as ID to board commercial flights throughout the United States. So, truckers bringing essential supplies into the US, bad. Illegal aliens who then commit crimes while in the United States and thus have their arrest warrants printed out, they're good and they can just fly around the United States back and forth. It's like, why do we have not only illegal aliens in the United States, which I get it, big open border, got it. But then they commit crimes while here and aren't deported, but rather just have a piece of paper to demonstrate that they were arrested. And then we give them extra rights on that basis. Like they, like it's a, like it's a perk. Like you not only came into to the country illegally but then you committed an extra crime while you're here and so as like a thank you for presumably in one way or another assaulting an actual american um citizen or stealing from him or whatever you now get the extra privilege of being able to fly commercially throughout the united states because why not has anything bad ever happened when immigrants get on planes Sorry, that was a little dark. Um, but, but really, uh, these, these policies are so incongruent with what you would expect if, um, if you were trying to make reasonable policies that defended the American way of life. That, and that would include, of course, defending American access to basic goods and foods, right? This is kind of what is important to civilization um, so that we don't have to pay attention to basic things in order for us to survive, that rather inside of a civilized society, survival is kind of a given. We don't have to pay attention to that anymore because it's not like we're living out in, in caves and we're having to schedule uh, you know, basic food supplies and that kind of thing. We actually we don't have to worry about that. We always have access to food. No. Nope. Uh, the Biden administration sees things a little bit differently, apparently. And yes, Biden has been transporting illegals all over the U.S. in a, in a similar story. <clears throat> um, let's see. I blame the bleed. Scribbler says, I blame the bleeding heart liberals who want to share everyone else's hard work. When it comes to, uh, I'm not really sure exactly what you're talking about, but I know that when it comes to, uh, illegal aliens, they're generally wanted for different reasons by both sides of the political aisle. And I don't mean the political spectrum, I mean just like, because there are those on the right who legitimately oppose uh, immigration, at least mass immigration. But when it comes to like the Republican versus Democrat world of just sort of like political partisanship, both parties want illegals for different things. Democrats want them for votes. Uh, Republicans want them for cheap labor. 
And that's why they can never agree on whether or not they want to give them status or not, because the Republicans don't want them to have the ability to vote, but they want them to be here in order to drive down the cost of labor, which is not good for American citizens. And then the Democrats don't want them to have cheap labor. They want them to have actually pretty high, you know, high, decent um, amounts of wages, but also be able to vote, which is the, the biggest priority. So they can never really agree because they both want them here for very different reasons. And then that's why we have the gridlock system. And, you know, there's a legal sort to realize that both sides actually don't want their best interests. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that was a rant. Oh, let's talk about the Supreme Court, actually. Because that's, um, that's kind of a, a, a big deal, or at least it ought to be. So it's the uh, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer who announced his uh, retirement. He's a leftist already, so it's not so catastrophic. And there are people who are like, no, no, we're, we're, we're going to lose our majority to the degree that we actually have one. Let's be honest, it's a bit wishy-washy there um, with people including like Kavanaugh, who is often on the wrong side. But in any case, this guy, no matter where you stand, he is somebody who is on the left. All right. And he was pressured to resign by a bunch of different progressive groups I'm using progressive because that's what they use, but I mean like far leftist groups have been pressuring him to resign because they want to replace him with somebody else who is on the far left um, as soon as possible and before the midterms when they might actually lose the ability to put somebody in who's on the far left because they're going to actually require, it requires uh, congressional approval to get somebody in, all right? So WW says it's hard to get someone worse than Breyer. I mean, really, he, he is... It, Exactly. I'm sure they'll try, though. They're going to work on it. I mean, let them try, because they really are going to... They'll give it their all. That's all I'm saying, okay? Uh, and they want to push through a hardliner while they have such control over the House, uh, pre the midterms, because generally speaking, when you have um, one party in a position of power and the presidency and so on, then the midterms come, and it's that party that loses the most, um, because that's just the way things work. In general, you know, uh, uh, yeah, speaking generally. But Biden wants a more diverse Supreme Court, and that is his priority. What does diverse mean? We've been over this. Diverse means not white, because um, this is not a guy. <laughs> Biden voted no on Clarence Thomas, who, for those who are not Americans, uh, is a black member of the Supreme Court, but who's, who is a Republican. Um, I want to show you a, a tweet that was actually issued uh, by Biden about this very topic, about his Supreme Court nominee, or upcoming nominee. He says, the person I nominate to replace Justice Breyer will be someone with extraordinary qualifications, character, experience, and integrity. And they will be the first black woman nominated to the United States Supreme Court. Um, <laughs> this is real, um, actually. This is, it, yeah, I'll move over. This is actually real, and uh, it's, it's awful. It really is. It, he's, he's saying that he's going to choose someone on the basis of the fact that, she, she, that it's not a man and it's not white. And that's the important uh, characteristic thereof. Everyone ought to find that disgusting, including the women. Like, I, I always find that really kind of, it, it's galling and disgusting whenever you have like somebody who goes like, like, I want Hillary Clinton because she's a woman. And it's like, but she's awful. Like, I don't understand the people who choose on the basis of, uh, of this. It's just, can you not do better than that? And this is the Supreme Court, right? So you have these Supreme Court rulings of the past um, where 
they ruled that you can't choose on the basis of race. And that's going to be fascinating because you're going to have a, somebody on the Supreme Court who was chosen on the basis of race on a Supreme Court that says that you can't do that. Because, like, you had uh, Justice Lewis Powell who said, like, preferring members of any one group for no reason other than race or ethnic origin is discrimination for its own sake. This the, con the Constitution forbids. Unquote. So you're going to have the Supreme Court that stands by that statement made up of at least one person who's chosen for the very opposite reason of that. And, and uh, honestly, it's like, how would you not, how would you look at the Supreme Court like, the same? And I don't even think that they're even a, a, a decent court at this point. I don't. Um, I don't see them and think, oh, wow, the bastion of morality. I don't know anyone who does. Um, just trying to be, be reasonable and honest here. I don't. But I, I do think it would be particularly disgusting whenever you have one who's there and you know the whole time that she was chosen on the basis of the way that she was born with a reckless disregard for the qualifications of other people <clears throat> who don't match those characteristics, but who, you know, are better and who are better for the job. Um, Michelle Obama is out. <laughs> that was good, actually. I like that. <laughs> okay, I shouldn't have laughed. That was terrible. Um, in any case, um, I, I, I should probably go ahead and mention, though, that the, the Supreme Court shouldn't be partisan. Not really. Like, this whole thing where we're like, well, there are five conservatives and full of, like, I, we're not supposed to even kind of have that, um, that matrix. And we do now because you, and, and part of it is because our parties are so disparate in what they believe in reference to just like basic rights and whether or not they even care about the constitution. Like the point of the court is supposed to be to, to look at the, the laws passed by Congress and go, hey, that's in violation of the Constitution, and therefore that's not legal, and it's null and void, and, and it's gone. That's the job of the Supreme Court. That's not supposed to be a partisan thing. However, simply whether or not we have a Constitution and whether it should be obeyed is actually something that seems to like really be in dispute. I, I don't think that's an exaggerated statement, because we're at a point, right, where uh, nowadays, like, how many, how many Democrats sign on to the idea that we ought to, or that we do, in fact, have a right to bear arms. How many Democrats nowadays sign on to the, to the right to have free speech? Here's, the, here's the, the fun question now. How many Republicans or Democrats sign on to the idea that we should have due process when it comes to vaccine manufacturers? Um, yeah, okay, moving on quickly um, because of my platforms. But in any case, uh, in a, in a more ideal system, we wouldn't be so partisan. We are so partisan because we kind of have to be at a point where um, only one side even pretends to care about the basic rights and freedoms um, of Americans. There's, there is one book about this. That's, uh, it's called Scalia Speaks. That was um, a, kind of a combination of different writings and speeches by uh, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, who has passed. But it was actually really fascinating. It was one of the best books I've actually read uh, and goes through a lot of these different decisions like Roe versus Wade and how they came about and and his kind of audaciousness. It was like looking at this kind of judgment ruling where they, they took the Bill of Rights and they're like, abortion isn't in there. And of course, they concluded that it was, of course. You know, if you, if you take this, this bizarre interpretation where you read it completely differently, and it doesn't really matter what you think about abortion for the for the moment that we're talking about it right now, uh, it's simply not there, right? 
And you can look at that and you can see the fact that the leftist members of the court determined that they wanted it there. And so therefore they decided we're going to kind of make it up. And then you can say, well, if they can do that, if they can sort of transplant abortion into the Bill of Rights, then what what can't they do, right? Like, what line would they draw and say, actually, that's not in there. So that's outside of our our jurisdiction, so to speak. Is there anything? And the answer is no. Um, hold on. <clears throat> Sharon says, I think much of what's going on is because Roe versus Wade might be decided in the Supreme Court sometime soon. Well, it might be thrown out, yeah. And then it would go back to a state's rights issue. And that's the thing. When they were, um, when they were um, pushing to get the Supreme Court to make a decision on Roe versus Wade, what they were doing was they were trying to erode the, the will of the people. Like this, The left always want to talk about democracy, right? They always want to talk about the will of the people and how important it is, except for on the issues where they're losing. And that's the point. That's when they come to the Supreme Court and say, hey, the people don't agree with us on this issue, so we want you to come down and make a ruling that is completely inflexible, right? And so what we don't need you to do is say, abortion is protected by the Constitution. Doesn't matter that it's not, we need you to take away the will of the people, right? That democracy that they love to, to lord, which doesn't exist, but okay. You know, these people love to lord the idea of a democracy, and then they're like, actually, the people aren't on board, so we're going to fix it. We're going to be as rigid as possible using the Supreme Court. And that's what they did with Roe versus Wade. It's also what they did with gay marriage. Because in both cases, there were a lot of states, in fact, most states, that were that had restrictions against these things, right? And so they were like, no, actually, we don't really like the democratic system. We don't really like the democracy. We don't really like the will of the people or the will of the mob or whatever you want to call it. And so what we need to do is to take away states' rights, to take away the federal government rights in regard to Congress as well, and come up with the most dictatorial system, the most rigid system that allows for no change, because that's the only way that we can pass what we want to be passed. And these are the people that will tell you with a straight face that they care so much about democracy. But no. No, they don't. They simply want a dictatorship when it comes to the things that they care about, and they want you not to have the ability to overrule them. Um, that is all. Um, okay. Equal rights for unborn women. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but the, the point here was that when it comes to the Supreme Court, um, it's so partisan now. And it's, I don't see a way to kind of undo it. And in fact, what they're, they really are likely to kind of start packing it sometime soon. Uh, you know, increasing the number of justices on the court. Because they've reached a point where they're like, we don't care what the people say, you know, we just want what we want. And, you know, Trump put, put, replaced several of these Supreme Court justices, which they, they weren't with my picks, but okay, you know, they, they weren't on the left, and therefore uh, they're going to use a dictatorial means to grab the power that they want. And in, doing, in so doing that, they will cause people to lose faith in the entire system of the governance of America, because people will feel like they don't have any, any power in their own country, and they won't. And that's what's interesting about it is because, you know, when it comes to a Supreme Court ruling like that, uh, 
you don't have any way of, of overruling it besides, you know, actually changing the Supreme Court justices eventually when they die. It's a lifelong appointment. Um, you can't go through Congress and say, we disagree, not, not really. Um, so you see what I'm saying? So it kind of undermines the entire system by making people feel like they don't actually have an ability to change anything about their own government. That's a real problem. And it's in doing things like that that you end up having things like civil wars happening when people don't feel like they have any sort of real representation in their own government. Um, Meme Short says, Hey Sarah, Canada is in revolt, finally we're fighting back. I presume that you mean in reference to the uh, the truck convoy that we covered earlier. I am glad to see people standing up over there in Canada, I really am. Um, okay. All right, it looks like you guys are mostly having a, a, a conversation, so um, I, I will let that go and move on. Uh, for now, let's see. What, okay, we're at the hour, so there are a few things that I wanted to show you, okay? So I know it's like, I, I always kind of over-prepare. I'm always like, well, I, I want to make sure that I can at least cover the hour, and then I, then I have too much, so. But this is, this is where we are. This is who I am. Okay, so in any case, I wanted to show you. There's this... Um, Sky News put out one of the most obvious cases of sort of misinformation and media manipulation that I've seen, all right? So I want to show it to you because it's it's unreal, all right? So here we go. So you see the title there at the top, Anti-Vax Olympic Gold Medalist Dies of COVID. This is Sky News. Um, and it implies very heavily that he got COVID and died of it because he was anti-vaccination and therefore was unvaccinated. You can see in the highlighted point, in fact, the six-time world championship medalist had been vaccinated to sh allow him to continue his work as a gymnastics coach. So, in other words, um, he didn't like the vaccinations, he didn't like the mandates, he was required to get the shots, and then he died. That's the truth. And they ran that, that headline that says anti-vax gold medalist dies of COVID as if he died because he was unvaccinated. It's like, no, he literally got the shots because they forced him. And he either died as a result of that or as a result of the incompetence of those things. It's one or the other, but he didn't die because of his anti-vaccination stance. That's the only thing that we know for sure is that the opposite of what they led with is the truth. He didn't die because he was opposed to the shots. I mean, it, it couldn't be more backwards. Like, you look at that and it's just like, my gosh, the audacity of someone to write that title while the person actually, you know, fulfilled the opposite directive, you might say. In other words, it's the very opposite of the truth. Yes, exactly. It's the very opposite of the truth. And you know, nowadays, and maybe it's always been like this, I don't know, but I know that nowadays people tend to just read headlines. They do. And I admit to doing it more often than I should. Um, I try not to, but it's kind of a habit because we, we, we are inundated by so much media. Um, nowadays, we kind of get constant you know, through social media, through our phones, through news feeds and so on, you can't read every article. And so you start reading these, these things and it's like, um, yeah, it, it is, is absolutely audacious. Um, yeah, it was from Sky News for somebody who was asking. And 
I do think that we see a lot of these cases, and I, I don't want to speculate too much uh, on what actually killed him, because, you know, I don't know what killed him. Um, they say it's COVID. Maybe. If so, it shows the incompetence of what he actually took, it shows the uselessness of it. And if not, if he killed by, I don't know, a medical decision that he felt forced to make, I mean, then there's that too. So <laughs> either way, it, it's just, it, it really is a problem when we have so many people who just believe it, who just, who just really do just tune in to these mainstream media outlets. And they're like, well, they'll be honest. Or I'll just read between the lines. It's like, well, you're mostly just reading a headline. You can't really read between the lines of a headline. That's not how it works. That's how Snopes works, right? You know, they're just like, it's false. And then you read the actual article. It's like, no, it was it was true, actually. I need to do some videos kind of going through some Snopes um, articles just to kind of show you that, you know, that they'll say false. And then you read the article and it's like, ah, it's actually, it's actually true. Um... Okay, some of your comments, I cannot read about this stuff, just so you know. Not publicly, anyway. Uh, but people certainly can um, uh, tune in to the, to the chat later if they want. Uh, Jeremy says, I got to bug out. It's getting past my bedtime. All right. Oh, good night. I, I, I appreciate you coming. I know that for a lot of these people who, who tune in, uh, some of you are like in England. That's just incredible. Like you're, you're here at like, you know, four in the morning and you're watching this stream. I, hats off to you. If I had a hat, I'd, I'd take it off. Uh, but I don't. So there's that. Oh, and as, as a side note, just totally random, uh, I did hear about how Spotify is now going to remove Neil Young's music after he tried to deplatform Rogan um, using the threat of withdrawing his music from Spotify. And it's like I, I don't, I didn't know who Neil Young was before, um, but I, I, I'm glad, you know, that, that, that he's gone. It does seem like really just at this point. I will say that, and you know, I, I don't trust Spotify as as a decent company. I, I don't, and I think that's merited. I, I know that, in fact, they have removed several Joe Rogan episodes, including with like Alex Jones and so on, but it's that uh, Robert Malone uh, interview that I know that so many people are upset about because the idea of there being a doctor that is arguing over science is so uh, scientific, I suppose, and they they can't handle that. JP, the Soviet newspaper was once called Pravda, which means truth, even though it was anything but. Yeah. And our modern media, which proclaims itself to be truthful, and um, which, I mean, if you, if you actually tune into, like, TV news, it, it's incredible how these people present themselves on, like, CNBC, CNBC and stuff. Like, that they really are, like, authoritative sources, and they expect you to believe that. And I'm just kind of um, almost amused at this point. I, I'm, I'm literally amused at this point that they expect us to believe that. Um, Scribble says, I'm on both YouTube and DLive, but they emailed me to tell me they'll delete my channel. Just waiting on that. Who emailed you to tell you they're going to delete your channel? I have not received any of those yet. So we'll see. Um, though I am demonetized on, on YouTube, as you can tell, uh, that happened over a, a Rittenhouse video because I, I had the audacity to defend someone who needed to be defended and who was right, by the way. Um, I'll go ahead and say, because I did that video before the ruling came out, and so YouTube was still like, he's a white supremacist who killed black people. You know, I'm sure that's what the, the YouTube um, analyst thought at the time um, when she flagged my entire channel for promoting violence. It's like self-defense is the opposite of violence. It's the mechanism through which violence is ended. Um, that's what it actually is. But they didn't really give me a chance to argue. 
So, yeah. Um, okay, I want to discuss one more topic, and then I'm going to um, end the stream for the night, because it is... It is late and I am uh, tired. So, um, but if you have any questions for me, you can go ahead and throw them in the chat. I do see your chats on, on YouTube and on DLive and on Trovo if anyone's there. Um, so I'm just kind of giving you the the option to write whilst I cover this last little topic because it's kind of um, something that I found uh, sort of fascinating. So we're actually talking about Austria now, where they're pulling ex-cops out of retirement so they can enforce the COVID rules in Austria. Again, this is not Australia, this is Austria, which is somewhat like Australia in the fact that they are uh, they are going to be probably the most uh, rigorous when it comes to enforcing COVID restrictions and so on. No, I'm not testing um, Odyssey uh live streaming tonight, although I will be uploading this stream to Odyssey. Anyway, uh, they're pulling these ex-cops out of retirement. Previously retired officers up to 70 years of age have been asked to come back onto the force to return to active service to help enforce these lockdown rules because they don't have enough cops to enforce this stuff seriously. The state police department, under the instruction of Governor Thomas Stelzer, wrote to around 700 officers late last year, so, you know, it's not been that long into the year, hence late last year, um, asking them to return to active duty. Because Aust Austria is in a state of, I don't know, perpetual lockdown. I should just call it a prison. It's basically a prison. They have a an apartheid system going on where the unvaccinated are under all kinds of restrictions and barred from accessing um, what are considered to be amenities, like, you know, gyms uh, yeah, um, that they pay for, that kind of thing. It really has become quite stringent. And what they're doing now is they're rolling out police to enforce these mandates wearing plain clothes so that they can catch people in the act of, you know, standing more than six feet away from each other, less than six feet away from each other, or from wearing a mask incorrectly below the nose or, or not wearing the mask or, or going out for some unapproved activity like tennis when you don't have... Uh, the latest vaccine. They're, they're literally rolling out plain-clothed officers for this, like they have some kind of terrorism task force thing going on. I mean, it sounds like a joke, but that they're serious. Um, they are serious that they want to do this, and it's like, you're talking about people who just didn't make the same medical decision you do, and they're going to um, imprison these people and treat them like they're the worst of the worst. Um, for that, it's kind of, it's difficult to even imagine. Okay. Uh, I still wonder if it's the mark. Well, what I find amusing is how many people are like, well, I'll, I'll reject the mark when it comes, even though I, I, I did this as soon as I was, I was asked to. But in any case. Um, okay, I, I am going to wrap this up, guys. I do appreciate uh, you joining me tonight. Um, thank you for that. And I do want to say thank you to those of you who support the channel, um, either directly through my website or through Subscribestar. Those of you who write emails to me and you send me like topics that you think I should be covering, that's actually really helpful. I'm just one person, so uh, it's really invaluable when people do actually send this stuff that matters to them and that they want me to cover, and I do my best not to disappoint. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for those of you who keep me in prayer as well. Um, all, you've all been a wonderful audience tonight, so thank you so much. It's always fun. We'll do it again next week. Oh, and by the way, sorry, don't leave yet. Um, I did put out a video this week, a, a short video, 
that was not allowed on YouTube, uh, but is available on every other platform. So by every other platform, I mean uh, Gab TV, Odyssey, BitChute, and Rumble. I did that in order of what I like, <laughs> but watch it wherever you want. Um, but it, And I do have another video that's coming out this week. I just need to finish um, editing it. I've got a different haircut in it because it was before I got my haircut, so it's kind of weird. It's going to be like I go long and then short. These are things that I worry about that you, you don't and probably wouldn't have noticed had I not said anything. So in any case, uh, so yeah, there is that coming out. My point is pay attention to the other sites and subscribe over there. Um, I have a real Blackwing says, do you think Patreon will be doable for you one day? I don't want to like fund evil if I don't have to. That's why I use Subscribestar. Um, I don't know if they'd accept me. I imagine they would for a while and then they wouldn't eventually, you know, kind of like they did to like Carl Benjamin or Sargon of Akkad, uh, if you prefer the term. Uh, so I, I don't really feel the need to sort of sign on with them and then fund them each time I'm trying to like get the video started. It seems like making a deal with the devil that I don't have to. So I'd rather not. Um, whether or not they'd accept me for the short time or not. It's like, if, if I don't have to, if I can actually support a decent company that supports my right to do free speech or while I can support their ability and right to uh, help other creators to continue doing this, this, this sort of work, which I think is a really important thing to do. I think it's important that we have commentary that people sort of have a voice that otherwise wouldn't. I mean, that's why I started doing this stuff. It was, um, I realized I just started to try to end the show and it's gonna be like an extended, it's gonna be like a, like a 20 minute ending. But you know, I was uh, doing the, the work over at healthwise.org and we're trying to add a political section and we're trying to get these political writers, right? And we're trying to like, and so I started like uh, hiring these freelancers and this guy, um, I'll just call him Adam, who was a, a nurse up there in uh, Pennsylvania. And he wrote this this great article about how the uh, gay pride parades were uh, indecent and they shouldn't be happening with like children being exposed and they were over-sexualized. And even if you had like heterosexual um, parades that were that, that were equally sexualized, it would be indecent um, and you wouldn't want to expose kids to that. Uh, it's not any better because it's homosexual. And that was his kind of argument. It was a great article. And then he wrote like a couple of days later, and he's like, can you take my name off of it? Because I'm going to lose my job. And it was then that I sort of realized the sort of unique position that I was in, that I can actually like show my face and show my name and people can't uh, cancel me. They can't cause me to starve like they could him um, on the basis of what I say. And so I'm just kind of trying to provide a voice to people who don't have that ability to kind of come forward and say, this is what I believe this is what I stand for. As much as I possibly can. That's that's what I'm trying to do. So um, yeah, uh, you have hair. I do have hair. Yes. So there's that. Thank you. Uh, Harry says I subscribed at the ten dollar level. Thank you so much. That's that's very kind of you, and I do appreciate your sacrifice to um, to help me to to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm glad that you find well, I guess, value in it. Um, thank you. All right, guys. All right, we're done. We're done, I promise. I I'm done droning on uh, with my extended goodbye. Have a wonderful night. Bye-bye. <laughs> if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider helping to support it. You can give a one-time donation or buy a branded mug at thecrusadergal.com. Or you can donate monthly by searching for my name, Sarah Corrier, at Subscribestar. Thank you so much. I couldn't do this without your support. And whether you can help financially or not, don't forget to tell your friends. Big Tech isn't going to help me spread the word. Thank you.